Welcome to the BodyWise podcast, focusing on the new Maudsley Care skills with me, Harriet Parsons, psychotherapist and training and development manager with BodyWise, and Jenny Langley, author of Caring for a Loved One with an Eating Disorder, the new Maudsley skill-based training manual. Each episode in this podcast will focus on one particular aspect of the new Maudsley Care skills. We'll explain the concept, talk through the ideas behind the skill and learn how that particular skill can benefit carers. Welcome to episode two. In this episode, we're going to talk about the readiness ruler. Jenny, it's lovely to see you, welcome. Hi Harriet, I'm so pleased to be here. Jenny, could you tell me what the readiness ruler is and when you use it with carers? Okay, so it's a really simple concept and I love it because I'm a chartered accountant by profession, so I always love numbers. And in very simple terms, it's on a scale of 0 to 10, how much do you want to do something? And on a scale of 0 to 10, how confident are you that you'll be able to do it? So for example, how much do you want to learn to play the piano? 10 out of 10, how confident are you that you can learn to play the piano? Maybe two, three, four, whatever, out of 10. So you've got a discrepancy. So it really fits in with our model about just creating that little seed that that something could change. Change is possible. So it just elicits that first little thoughts of, hmm, okay, maybe I could start to make a little bit of progress here. So I introduce it when I'm doing the care of skills workshops. Right before the workshops, I send out a questionnaire. And this is one of the questions on the questionnaire. So on a scale of 0 to 10, your desire, your confidence. And then I ask two more questions. So what could help increase your confidence to be more in line with your level of interest? So the idea is you're closing the gap. And you're not saying, how could you go from 2 to 10? You're thinking, how could I go from 2 to 2.5 to 3? So this concept of small steps. And then the second question after that is what might reduce your confidence in the short term? And carers often find when they come to the workshops um, and they write me lots and lots of things that could increase or reduce their confidence. But when they come to the workshops, often their confidence will go down a little bit to start with because they're really for the first time. Um, in a room with another group of carers, they're really thinking about the complexity of eating disorders. Maybe they haven't had some of that psychoeducation before. Um, And they're really, really understanding that it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a journey that's from A to B. It's that real roller coaster, sailing the stormy seas, whatever metaphor you like to use. And of course, within the workshops, we're exposing the carers to all of the techniques that professionals would be using in an eating disorder service to communicate with the patients. So we're we're asking a lot of the carers. So maybe after the first two workshops, carers feel a little bit less confident, but then as we go through to workshop three and workshop four, which is kind of more logical because we're looking at the situation where, where maybe their loved one is ready to start to think about making changes, then their confidence starts to go up. Um, And very quickly they learn that this is a very experiential model that you need to use it to build your confidence so yeah. you can't just learn it and go away and it's just going to happen to you it's something that you need to be experiencing that that's why we do so many scenarios and role plays within the um, new Maudsley um, carer skills workshops great okay so if I've got this right so what I'm hearing is that you use the readiness ruler as a way of almost meeting the carers where they're at in the same way that we want to try and meet the person with the eating disorder where they're at. So we have to be able to empathize with where they are without 
you know, rushing ahead to try and get them to be somewhere else. And so that very simple um, technique of getting carers to reflect on their confidence levels and how, you know, how interested they are and how confident they are is helping carers to reflect on where they are at. So you're already asking them to experience what that is like. And then it's a really helpful thing to, to gauge as they go through the program, as they go through the workshops, as they're experiencing the other techniques um, to reflect on have they moved, have they changed, um, and really, how, how are they in that moment? Is that right? Absolutely right. Yeah. Meeting the carers where they're at. So I didn't used to send out a pre-registration um, form um, mm. when I was doing the face-to-face workshops. So carers would turn up. I'd know nothing about them. I'd have no sense of where they're at. Um, and this is a really, really useful way. So the, the other um, couple of exercises in that registration form which we'll do other podcasts about um, is the carer's emotional journey and also thinking about carers putting their own oxygen mask on first so carer self-care so it really really helps me to meet the carers where they're at so that was really really well put yeah absolutely yeah yeah and it's so important to to repeat again and again the idea that self-care is central to both helping themselves, but also helping their loved one as well. You know, that in essence, role modeling, the change that they want to see in the person with the eating disorder is what a lot of the techniques are about. It's kind of planting that seed within themselves as well as planting the seed in the mind of the person. So Jenny, is there anything else that I'm missing about that? So I'd just like to um, maybe give you a few examples of what the carers say about what might increase their confidence and what might reduce their confidence. So it's quite quite nice for us to kind of understand. And carers do, when they reflect, you know, having filled in the questionnaire, they say, actually, this is the first time we've really thought about ourselves, about what's going on for us, because we've been so in caring mode, so 24-7, rushing around, maybe feeling like a headless chicken, making sure we're getting some help for our loved one or going to the seven different supermarkets or whatever is happening, you know, at that stage of of the recovery journey. So carers say it's really quite cathartic for them to be reflecting. So these are some of the things that, um, that carers say might help to increase their confidence. So hearing real life testimonies, practical examples that things have worked with tangible results from those maybe who are a bit further along the journey. So it's such a lovely mix in the carer workshops when you've got some people right at the beginning of their journey, and then you've got some carers who maybe have been supporting their loved one for a year, two years, several years. They might have been to the workshops before. And so they've got stories to tell. It's like, yeah, I felt completely disempowered when I first came Um, and now, these are the things that I've found really work for me. These are the things don't really work for me, but they might work in the future. So, so that's a really, really good thing. So hearing from other carers, things that have worked from them, being in that safe, confidential, non-judgmental place with other carers. Most carers say that. So a lot of them put that on the form, just being able to be in a forum where I'm with like-minded people who aren't going to just tell me, why can't you just make your son or daughter eat more? You know, so that's really, really positive. Having a bit of headspace. So clearly carers have to take a bit of time out to come to the workshops, don't they? So they are, they're they're almost, this is time for them rather than keep thinking, what can I do next for my loved one? So having a headspace to think about me and learning these new skills, Um, learning to roll with resistance that often comes up. So, you know, we, we 
sometimes we sometimes we need that space as carers we need to take that step back and that's okay confidence in strategies methodologies uh, research based all all these sorts of things learning that mistakes are treasures so janet treasure loves that doesn't she every mistake is a treasure learning to reduce my own fear and freeze response so these are some of the things that carers have said that that in that forum that, that all of these things will help them start to um, increase their confidence and also to understand that they're going to be a good enough carer. There's no such thing as a perfect carer. I thought there was to start with. I tried to be the perfect carer, it kind of backfired a bit. But anyway, so being a good enough carer, okay? Then things that might reduce their confidence. So obviously one of the biggest things that reduces a carer's confidence is when their loved one is having a lapse or relapse or deteriorating very quickly. Um, and sometimes in the course, you can see that carers might be there they might be there kind of you know writing notes listening but they're not really there because they're terrified so even within the workshops just holding those carers and saying it's okay it's okay to be really really upset that your loved one is deteriorating it's okay to be terrified that's normal that comes with the eating disorder this is an interesting one and this weaves into the family-based therapy model doesn't it being told i have to feed my daughter or being told I have to let my daughter decide what to eat. So carers often find that when they're being directed by the clinical teams, um, that can really disempower them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we can discuss that within the workshops. It's about, well, this is, this is why FBT is the mainline treatment for families of children and adolescents, because clearly um, getting back to physical safety is, is absolutely a priority. And of course it can feel that you're being disempowered. But actually what the clinical team are trying to do is they're trying to really empower you. It just doesn't always, you can't always hear it like that because of the distress of caring for a loved one with an eating disorder. So lots of comments about feeling criticized, feeling about getting things wrong, being disappointed, just being emotionally distressed and overwhelmed, the procrastinating. So I've learned some skills on the workshops, I'm, I'm too scared. So a lot of fear, a lot of fear that if I try to, if I try to make a change, Will I make it worse? So, so that's really, really common in a group of carers. So you know, Harriet, that the acronym FEAR, have you heard of this? So FEAR, there's two. So yeah. one is feeling everything and recover. That's one version of FEAR. Yeah. And the other one is false evidence appearing real. Okay. Isn't that lovely? So that fits into the kind of cognitive, behavioural, challenging, negative thoughts. And that's a lot of what we're doing in the workshop is we're helping the carers to reflect on their own automatic negative thoughts and helping them to reframe that. So we could reframe fear into a kind of more of a progressive, we can all learn together to face these fears. Absolutely. And there's two things there that you've said that I think really are key to, to the whole thing that reframing so being able to turn negatives into positives or being able to understand something in a different way but the other thing is that there is no perfect answer there's no perfect carer there's no perfect solution and while you know on the one hand that can seem sometimes to carers like, oh my God, there's no answer to this. You know, how are we ever going to get out of this? To reframe that, it is the idea that it is possible for you to focus on yourself and your situation and figure out what works for you. That instead of measuring yourself up against some abstract, perfect carer idea out there, it's about 
looking at yourself and what you're doing and asking yourself, is what I'm doing working? And if it is, fine, keep doing it. But if it isn't, that's fine. You just need to experiment with something else. So I think that those are two really helpful things that come through what you're saying. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So what then, you know, if I was to ask you to maybe a difficult question to say, well, what do you think is the main learning from this for carers? So there's a couple of things. So one is that confidence is something that is fluid. The desire might be absolute. My desire is eight or nine or 10. Most carers would say that. And it might be eight for somebody and 10 for another person. And it might be eight because there's some other things going on. They've got other family issues and, and stuff like that. And also it's subjective, isn't it? But, but the desire is kind of absolute. And we need to make sure that that desire doesn't make us rush our loved ones. Yes. You no, know, we can rush them too quickly. We both know that, don't we? Yeah. So we want to make sure that that desire isn't made creating this kind of sense of urgency and speed, which the eating disorder is just going to kick back against. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is confidence is not absolute. Confidence is fluid. And it's very person centered and it can go up and down. It can go from two to eight and back again in a nanosecond. So it's helping carers to tolerate the distress that comes with that when their confidence feels one day like it's eight and then something happens and, you know, the eating sort of seems to have the upper hand or their loved one's been discharged from services and their confidence suddenly seems to be down at two. And it's helping carers to tolerate the distress of that. Mm. So that for me are the two main, you know, the main learning points from it. And it's that, you know, it's that that there's always possibilities and we need to be making, thinking about making small, tiny steps. So in terms of the animal metaphors, you don't suddenly go from being a kangaroo to a dolphin mm. or a rhino to a St. Bernard. So it's like, how could I be a tiny bit more? Akara said it really nicely the other day when she says she sees it like a clock. And I feel like, how can I go one minute more to the right? Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And, you know, again, I don't know whether you hear it in what you're saying, but Um, helping you know if the takeaway from this exercise for carers is learning how to tolerate the fluidity of their confidence and their desire isn't that what we're trying to help the person with the eating disorder to be able to do as well to tolerate their distress to ride out the feeling and know that feelings end that things change that you know that everything will, will 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 ebb and flow yeah yeah. And also that acceptance, isn't it, that for our loved ones with eating disorders to start with, their desire is zero. Yeah. This is my coping strategy. I'm not going to give this up. I'm, you know, I'm holding on to this. Yeah. Whatever anyone throws at me, I'm holding on to my coping strategy. So desire then for that for the young person would be zero. Yeah. And then helping carers to notice when there's those glimmers of actually there is a bit of a desire. So as the, you know, as the young person moves from that pre-contemplation or denial phase into the, hmm, maybe there's things I'm missing out on with my eating disorder. Hmm, maybe I can see all my friends going off to Reading Festival and that's really frustrating for me. So we can use it in so many different ways. Yeah, and we'll have to do a podcast on that decision balance and on the stages of change because I think what I hear from carers often is, and that absolute frustration if their loved one is in the pre-contemplation and they're really just focused on how can I get them to want to change. Yeah. Um, so we must talk about that. On a, on a Definitely. That's going to be a good podcast, Harriet. It will. It will. Great. OK, so what are the common questions or struggles that carers have when you do the readiness ruler with them? 
So they find it a very easy concept to understand. And one of the things, the, the thing, the biggest struggle is that their confidence can, can just plummet. Okay. And, and, it's hel- and it's helping. So it's really, really useful in a group setting. So what I do is I summarize. So say I've got 15 questionnaires. Mm-hmm. And so I summarize. So I've got the readiness ruler on, in, in the workbook. And I say, this is your collective response. So in terms of um, desire or interest, collectively, you said between eight and 10. In terms of confidence, your answers came between three and 10. excuse me and then we can facilitate a conversation around uh, the fact that confidence does go up and down and they feel you know it's quite a bonding thing the carers feel oh okay it's not just me then it's not just me that my confidence goes up and down on a daily basis it's the nature of the illness that we're working with yeah but that's the main thing that's really important it's really important and and I I really can relate to the idea of um carers wanting the other carers in the group to be honest and open that was something that has come up on the groups that I've done when we're when we're kind of brainstorming ground rules or boundaries group boundaries that they want everybody in the group to be real you know not to, to be able to speak honestly okay so Jenny is there anything else you'd like to say about this I guess just um, just reiterating what you just said about honesty is that, again, it, you know, it's a very person centred thing, isn't it? And some carers are, are more than ready and we need to facilitate sometimes to um, so that so that their story doesn't take over a whole session. So some carers are more than ready to give lots and lots of detail and other carers aren't. And it's and it's all about pacing along with that. That's OK um, when you're ready. And what I often find with carers is that they might be very, very quiet at the beginning of the workshops, but by the end, you know, by the time we're getting through to the third and fourth workshop, they feel safer. So they've not been in an environment like this before, and they feel safe enough then to bring their scenarios into the room. And there's always a mix, and it's it's really important that we understand that some people are ready to share their stories and some people aren't quite so ready. Um, and just our belief that gradually that will come through. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you. And finally, Jenny, where can people go to find out more? So obviously in the training manual, which has got all of these exercises in on my website, there's all of the worksheets are downloadable. So there's a readiness ruler worksheet and and I've made other videos to go with those as well. So you can listen through the podcast or you can watch the video or you can download the worksheet. And in the training manual, there's more examples as well. So those are the main places. Thank you, Jenny. So there you have it. We hope that this episode has been helpful for you and encourages you to think about where you are on your readiness ruler. Remember, an important part of the new Maudsley skills is being able to role model behaviours our loved one finds difficult. If you have any questions, please email them to Ruby, put in new Maudsley Carer Skills podcast in the subject line to info at bodywise.ie. If we get any questions, we will endeavour to answer them in future podcasts. And we hope you will join us for our next episode where we will look at carer's emotions using a technique called ALVES. So bye for now. Bye.